Welcome listeners. Welcome listeners. You're listening to Deeds in the Desert. The place where real estate investors tune in for the latest news and available investments at Ignite Funding. If you're on the hunt for a low effort, passive income stream, then turn up that volume and pull out the hammock as we get ready to feed you your weekly dose of real estate investing insights. Welcome to another episode of Deeds in the Desert. On today's episode, we have two special guests, Izzy Irizarry and Pat Vassar, our Director of Underwriting. And today they are going to be discussing a commonly asked question, and that is, why aren't we increasing our interest rates here at Ignite Funding? So welcome, Izzy and Pat. Thank you for joining me today. I'll leave it to you. All right, Pat. So basically, we have a question that's been getting posed quite a bit for our sales reps. And we think you're the best person to answer this. So um, let's just go ahead and start off. Why is Ignite Funding not raising their interest rates for borrowers? Great question. Obviously, uh, sales staff has been asking me that on and off for the past, oh, I don't know, three, four months. Uh, The short answer is it's market-driven. The more complex answer is it has to do with a little bit of everything. Right. Most people look at what the Federal Reserve is doing, the Fed rates, Fed fund rates, 10-year bills, two-year bills, see all these notes that are moving up mm-hmm. and escalating and wondering what the heck's going on. Aren't we tied to those note rate rates of interest? Mm-hmm. Well, we're really not. We are a market-based lender. We lend what we can get. We lend based off the risk-adjusted returns that we find in the marketplace. What we have is a fairly finite amount of capital that we get to deploy. And as an underwriter, we have to make the strategic decision as to where we deploy that capital. What we've seen and what we believe is we are uh, trying to be the best stewards of that capital as possible and look for the best risk-adjusted returns that we possibly can. And there's two components to risk-adjusted returns. One is the risk factor. And secondly, is the adjusted return. And to us, it's more than just the gross rate of interest that you can charge, it truly is how much you're going to get at the end of the day when it's all said and done. A lot of companies go out and advertise a lot higher than that, a lot more interest rate, but we don't believe that to be the most uh, prudent way to to uh, advertise or to invest capital, given the type of borrowers we prefer to go after. Just because you have a shovel and a hammer doesn't make you a home flipper. Just because you've done it once before doesn't make you qualified to do it again. Every one of our borrowers are extremely reputable and extremely bankable. Every one of our clients could go to a bank today and get capital. They choose not to because of the speed and ease that we offer, but they have the ability to get bank cheaper financing elsewhere. A lot of other groups lend to borrowers that simply, simply don't have that option. For us, it's really that risk adjusted return. Now, with all that said, we are getting very close. <laughs> there is and will be a point in time where we can start charging more and still get that same quality borrower. We're just not quite there yet. So the interesting thing too is that people, I think, forget that there's two sides to this, especially for the investor side and the borrower side. And the one thing that I've seen, we've been going to a lot of events lately, and we hear a lot of uh, companies and investors come over to us and be like, well, I'm getting 16% over here. I'm getting 17% over here. So that obviously means that 
the other companies similar to ours are even charging a higher rate of return to their borrowers if that's what they're giving to their investors. So let's look at it from the investor standpoint. So when investors come to us, they say they're getting, you know, 15, 16% with a company that's doing something similar to us. What would you say or what would you do as far as our comparison to what we have here? Like how would we combat that that comparison of price? Uh, the first thing to do is look at the loan position you're in. A lot of times with a higher, more interesting or intriguing interest rates, they tend to be in a subordinated position, meaning not a first lien. Okay. Everything that we do, with very, very few exceptions, is in a first lien position. Therefore, if anything were to go wrong, then to the day you'd be able to foreclose, take that property back and become an owner of that asset. If you are in a subordinated position, that's simply not always the case. You don't have the guarantee that you will become the owner in the event of a default. We do. Uh, so that would be number one. Number two is different ways to change that interest rate around by lending at higher loan to values. People go move up that capital stack because the higher you go, the more risky it is, and therefore the more the borrower is willing to pay uh, so they don't have to raise outside equity. When you do that, you can charge the high teens, low 20s, but now you are not only in a debt position, but you're in an equity position. And as you and I know, and, and I believe every one of our investors know, the higher you get on that capital stack, the more risky it is. Right. So point blank, it just comes back to risk-adjusted returns. For us, that is not a risk-adjusted return. The risk is much higher than that adjusted return in the long run will be. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the one thing people forget too is that this is more of a double-edged sword for us. We charge higher interest rates to be able to pay investors a higher yield, but who really is getting what from that? If we're going to have to charge a borrower higher, but potentially that we don't get to fund that project, or we pay out investors a higher yield, but let's say we do go back down to where we're at, you know, 10, 12%. Are they ever going to want to invest because they got a taste of that 14%, 15%? It goes back to, I remember years ago when I first started, we we did a 9% loan. And I remember we were no so nervous about it because we we're like, well, we're not doing double digits anymore. And even the sales reps were really worried about that. And lo and behold, you know, we still funded the loan at the end of the day because we have a good product. But it was just interesting seeing a taste of that and getting a little bit of some combativeness from the investors on that side of things. So I think it just all depends on, like you said, where we're at, where we're trying to go and what we're going to do. But I thought it was interesting. You said it is coming. So you do believe that we may potentially raise rates at some point? I do believe maybe potentially raise rates. Yes, all of that. <laughs> I do believe we will potentially maybe raise rates. I would say the odds are in the investor's favor in that regard, so long as banks still keep increasing their rates. As they do, the difference between what we charge and what the bank charges mm -hmm. narrows. And as that narrows more and more, that's more likelihood of us increasing our rates without losing those risk-adjusted returns. So what states is it very really hard for us to get into right now or do more projects because of what's going on with rates? Oh, good question. You know, that is an ever-evolving issue, really. Right. It really depends on the time. As of right now, uh, one of the hardest markets for us is California, but we're, not, we're choosing not to be there. Uh, another hard market for us is, surprisingly enough, Arizona. Really? Um, another one is Texas. And one of the, the biggest ones actually is here in Las Vegas or in Nevada in general. There's a lot of people from California, high net worth individuals or family offices 
that are just getting fed up with the, the government out there and the restrictiveness of, of lending that are looking to deploy close to home. Well, Las Vegas is about as close as you can get to home for anybody in, in LA to get outside of California. So a lot of that capital has been coming over here a lot. Thankfully for us, you know, we have a pretty uh, long-standing relationships with many qualified institutional grade borrowers here in Las Vegas that aren't falling for these one-off promises of funding and have stuck with us, even though they can easily get cheaper financing. Yeah, it's, that's true. They can definitely uh, definitely get cheaper financing. But like you said, I always like to coin the term, you know, we never leave them at the altar. So, you know, when we say we're going to fund, we're going to fund their projects. The one thing I did want to touch a little bit on, you mentioned Texas being a little hard. And why would you say specifically Texas is hard for us? Is it because there's a lot of people who do what we do there? Or do you think it's because of the type of projects we're doing? Is there more residential requests than commercial? What do you, what do you think? That's kind of a loaded question. I'd give you just a couple quick notes on that. One is the way they do their zoning laws out there mm-hmm. is you can basically build what you want. As far as the contractors, who can build? If you've got a hammer and a screwdriver, you're a licensed contractor. <laughs> uh, as long as you've got a heartbeat and a pickup truck, you're basically good to go. So that makes it a little difficult uh, because there's so much competition and there's a little bit of that wild, wild west mentality. Mm-hmm. And for us as a lender, we prefer to be very static and be able to underwrite the issues that are currently exist. In Texas, those issues are infinite possibilities because you don't know what's going to be built next to you. You don't know if it's going to be a competitive product or a product that will completely undermine what you're what you're going for. Because of that, makes it a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, so out there, the adjusted rates don't quite fit what we see in other markets. Okay. So it's not a matter of us being priced out because we can't charge mm-hmm. the amount that's being offered. It's because we don't want to charge that amount because of the additional risk we believe there to be in many of those municipalities. Gotcha. Uh, my next question is how how has it been like how have we been able to sustain what we charge? How have we been able to do that for so long? What what are some factors that go into that? Great question. I'm surprised you know it's it's easy to have this podcast now when people are saying, oh, these interest rates are getting squeezed. We need to raise them. We need to raise them. Right. Well, where was this podcast four years ago when the Fed was at zero and we were charging 12% interest and our investors were getting 10% return. Right. That it just didn't exist. I didn't hear anybody saying, Hey, why are you, why are you charging so much? Don't you need to lower your rates to be more competitive? Mm-hmm. We didn't, we kept them the same because we believe that we are still offering the best risk adjusted returns we can to our investors without crippling our borrowers and allowing them to be successful. At the end of the day, if they're making money, they're going to keep paying off our loans. When they pay off the loans, investors are going to be happy. They're getting all their interest and their principal back. And then we'll have the decision to make to either reinvest or take their money and running at the end of that uh, that cycle. So we didn't decrease our rates when we were charging 12% above Fed funds rates. And we haven't increased our rates right now when we're only charging 6% above our Fed funds rate. Uh, what I like to say is our interest rate is fairly sticky meaning it's hard to move in one direction or the other, just as a a loyalty and a way to to gain market share in the economy. Do you foresee other companies like us 
trying to stick with what like what you just said like how we're able to be sticky quote unquote or do you see a lot of them just being followers and because they see xyz company and they're raising their rates and everybody's just following do you think this is more of a follower market just because they can charge it absolutely absolutely and it's unfortunate because we're in an industry that is known as hard money lending and as anybody who has been on the outside looked in uh, hard money lending tends to have a fairly uh, kind of a negative connotation really right. uh, our industry has been wrought with with scammers shysters and and all gunslingers all since it. the day it started and because of that they are always trying to find a way to corner the market always trying to find a way to uh not trying to find a way to be shady but mm-hmm. they tend to be shady uh, so yes they will always find a way i like to say hard money lending is is a shiny sunny place for shady people <laughs> and we like to be a little different than that. Uh, yeah. we, we like to be kind of uh, that, that oasis a little bit where people can trust and rely on. Now, it tends to be hard to stick with us because you see higher interest rates everywhere else. You see a, a different uh, model and it looks the same from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But when you really start pulling that onion back, you realize it's a different product mm-hmm. altogether. And best of luck in looking at those risk adjusted returns in the long run. Basically, what I'm getting from everything, it, it just really depends on where we're at in time and what the market is doing and adjusting people's perspective and plans and strategies. But it's funny because every time I talk with some of the reps, they're just like, hey, I don't hear that we're too good to be true anymore. Years ago, like you just said, like, you know, four or five years ago, every time we were presenting a project, they're like, you're offering double digit returns. That's that's too good to be true. I'm only getting six, seven percent right now. Well, now it's the complete opposite. People are getting 16, 17 percent. They're just like, you're not good enough. So it's like you're never going to please anybody. So I kind of like the strategy of where we're staying at. We are where we're at. We're doing a good enough job. And like you said, if borrowers are happy. Investors are happy. Loans are paying off. We're getting new loans. Everything seems to be going good. Absolutely. And we'll continue to do that. We know we're kind of a one-trick pony in that regard. If you ever hear us call you and give you a good hot stock tip, you know, probably listen to anybody else besides us. <laughs> but when we call you and tell you, you got we got a good, good trust deed, that's the truth. You can take that to the bank. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thanks again, Pat. I think that was some good information. I know we've been getting that question a lot here, and I think it was important for people to understand it from your perspective, especially overseeing the underwriting department and to understand you know, where we're going, where we're at, and why we're staying there. So thank you both so much for joining Deeds in the Desert today. Thanks again for having, for having uh, us here, Maddie. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Take care. Next week, we've got a fun episode planned, so make sure you stay tuned. We are posting a new episode weekly on Thursdays. Thanks again for listening to Deeds in the Desert. Thanks for joining us this week on Deeds in the Desert, where short-term investments meet long-term investors. We hope you enjoyed the content so much that you share it with all your friends. Who doesn't like learning about passive fixed income, right? Still hungry for more education? Visit our website at ignitefunding.com. Or if you're ready to take the leap and start investing, give us a call at 702-761-0000 and schedule a free investor consultation. 